0: Welcome to the Rosemont Baptist Church Podcast. Rosemont is a thriving group of believers who desire to connect with Jesus and His Church, grow in our faith and understanding of God's Word, and serve Jesus here in our local area and around the world. We are located in LaGrange, Georgia at 3794 Hamilton Road and invite you to join us for either of our two services on Sunday mornings. Please visit our website at rosemontchurch.org for more information. And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. Lord, thanks again for this morning, for the opportunity to serve you and to study your word. Uh, thank you for this church, Father. Thank you for the, the missionaries that we support all over the world. Thank you for the opportunity to give to those missionaries. Thank you for the opportunity to support those missionaries. Uh, thank you for what you're doing in Alaska with Scott, Lord, and uh, all the lostness up there and, and the, the, the darkness, Father. Uh, I pray that you would just impress upon the hearts of our people the importance of going there, of going elsewhere, of sending, Father, of, of uh, really, Lord, having this desire to reach out to the nations and uh, to people across the street, even from where we live, Lord, just a desire to go, a desire to share. And so be with us now as we open your word, Lord. I pray you just uh, speak to us very clearly, transform us, Lord, change us, mold us, shape us more and more, day by day, hour by hour, into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray, amen. Take your Bibles open to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, we're counting down the days until uh, we celebrate the arrival of the long-awaited Messiah. We, we sang the song uh, just a few minutes ago and said the long-expected Jesus, right? I, I love the, the story of Christmas. I love this time of year. I, I love to think about... Uh, the birth of Jesus, I love to understand the anticipation of exactly uh, what happened, what led up to it, because as uh, maybe Paul Harvey would say, those of you that are old enough to remember him, uh, there's there's more to the story, right? It wasn't just about the birth of Jesus. Uh, if you study the Old Testament, you know that leading up to the birth for century after century, God demonstrated his plan, God prophesied, God looked ahead to the birth of his son. And so there's this anticipation building. Uh, There's this time where we're looking ahead in the Old Testament to the birth of Jesus. And Mark is gonna give us this account. Mark's gonna give us this picture to remind us of something very, very important, right? Jesus was born a little baby, yes. He was born in a stable. We know the story. We've heard it this time of year. We celebrate it. We read it. We study it. But I want you to understand, Jesus very specifically was born with a purpose. And Mark's gonna enlighten us a little bit about that. Just a little bit of background on the book of Mark just to help you understand why this is important. Mark was written probably 60 to 65, (coughs) excuse me, A.D. after uh, Jesus. So 20 to 30 years after his death, Mark writes the first gospel, the first one written. And just to put that in context for us, it would be like us looking back or writing about 9-11, right? That's about how long ago it was. How many in here remember 9-11? Just raise your hands, right? Yeah. So if you were going to write about 9-11, there would be plenty of eyewitnesses to talk to. There would be plenty of people that had seen it, that had experienced it. And so Mark had the opportunity as he's writing his gospel to not only draw from his personal experiences, but to know and to talk and to hear from uh, a vast number of other people about Jesus. And so Mark's going to kind of paint this picture for us, right? Uh, He's telling us the story in this particular part of the gospel about Jesus and how he's been teaching and proclaiming and sharing and feeding people, doing miraculous things. And lots and lots of people have been following him, listening to him teach, but he's kind of in this discussion in Mark chapter 10 with his disciples about their purpose, about their calling. And we're gonna really focus in this morning on verse 45, but I'm gonna read a few verses leading up to it to put it in context. And I want you to listen to how this conversation goes. Here's Mark chapter 10, verse 35. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you, excuse me, we... Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left hand in glory. Right. So they're asking the Lord, they're asking Jesus, can we sit with you in glory, one on the right side, one on the left. Verse 38, Jesus said to them, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink Or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized, right? He's looking ahead to his death, how his body will be broken, his blood will be spilled, right? And he's looking and thinking and asking them if they're able to do that. They said to him in verse 39, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left hand is not mine to grant, but it's for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten, these are the other disciples, heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. Like, why are you asking him to sit with him? Why are you asking if you can be with him in glory? Verse 42, and Jesus called them to him and he said, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. Verse 45, for even the son of man, he's speaking of himself there, came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, there's a lot in there, right? There's a lot of truth in these few verses. There's a lot of things we could talk about, the desire of these disciples to sit at the right and the left hand of the Father, their their desire to be with Him in glory, their desire to understand Him, His command for them to put others ahead of, of themselves. But I want to kind of get to verse 45 because it's in verse 45 that we get this real clear purpose of Jesus, real clear understanding of exactly why he came to this earth and this real clear purpose of exactly what he's doing for us. Now, this is important for us because it's easy at Christmas, right, to forget this. It's easy to get caught up in so many other things. It's easy for us to forget about exactly what Jesus accomplished And if you're like us in our family, we get busy with lists and uh, schedules and decorations and family and all sorts of things that we do. And if we're not careful, we forget exactly what Jesus did. So we're going to walk through this morning being reminded of his purpose. Here's the first thing I want you to get. Number one, very simple, yet very profound. Number one, Jesus came to this earth. Jesus came to this earth. Now, this might be an obvious statement, but it's far from ordinary. When you begin to consider that the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, God of heaven stepped down out of glory to live among us in all of our sinfulness, in all of our mistakes, in all of our brokenness, you begin to understand this is the greatest story ever told. And so we see this picture of Jesus here in Mark chapter 10. A man born in humble circumstances in a little nothing of a town with no fanfare, no excitement. And we need to understand that this was not some random last minute decision. In fact, when you begin to think about Jesus coming to this earth, you understand that from eternity past, God had a plan for us. From eternity past, God had a plan for the sin in your life, the mistakes in your life, all the things you've done, the brokenness you've created. God had a plan to redeem you back to himself through Christ. And so what you begin to see, if you read through the Old Testament, and I bring this out a lot because I think it's fascinating and I want you to see it. But if you read through the Old Testament, you begin to understand really from the beginning, God is giving us clues and he's giving us hints, and he's prophesying 300 plus prophecies in the Old Testament that look ahead to Jesus. And it starts really with sin in Genesis chapter 3. When sin enters the world, the Bible teaches that everything changed, the curse fell upon the earth, and from that moment forward, people are looking for a Savior. Who will be the one to save me, right? Who will be the one to rescue me from my sins, and so the Old Testament tells this story of the people of the Lord constantly waiting, constantly hoping, constantly looking ahead, anticipating the long expected Jesus. And so when you when you read the early accounts, right Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, you see uh, kind of a, a blurry picture. Right, we know there's something ahead. We know that something's going to happen in the future. We know Messiah will one day come but we don't really know any details. But as you get closer to the book of Matthew towards the end of the Old Testament, it's almost as if the Lord takes this lens of history and he brings Jesus a little more into focus. And he makes it just a little more clear and a little more clear. For example, in Micah chapter two, towards the end of the Old Testament, we read in verse two, Micah five, two, but you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who's to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Bethlehem, he's going to be born here. I've been talking about him since eternity past, since ancient of days, right? Isaiah hones in it a little bit more for us in seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign: behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. A little farther in Isaiah, in chapter nine, the Bible says there there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former times, He brought forth contempt into the land of Zebulun. That's the land of Bethlehem, basically. But in the latter time, he's made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations, right, where Jesus did most of his ministry among the Sea of Galilee. Verse 2 of Isaiah 9, but the people who walked in the darkness, he's talking about that area, right, that area of Galilee, that area of Bethlehem, right, this is written hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government, and of the peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forever. More, right? This idea that this wasn't some isolated random event, but Jesus came to this earth with purpose. Right, one of the reasons we're doing the one, right? it's just, well, not one of the reasons, the reason we're doing the one is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, but the way we're doing it is different. Right, it's not just your standard nativity. We're, we're backing up really to the creation to tell these accounts, to understand that Jesus was anticipated. There are people that came all along the way, but they couldn't do the things that God wanted them to do. Moses couldn't fully save the people and lead them out of bondage, but Jesus can, right? We see these beautiful pictures in the Old Testament looking ahead to what Christ is going to accomplish and what he's going to do and how he's going to save his people, right? But the thing we see scripturally is God has been talking about this. He's been prophesying about this. He's been letting us know throughout the Old Testament that someone is coming That Messiah is coming. And then one of my favorite verses in the New Testament, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, says this When the time had fully come, God sent his son. Right on time. Right? The idea that the Lord sent Jesus to the earth is so simple and yet so profound. Now look back at Mark 10 45. For even the Son of Man came. Now, why did he come? Not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, right? So we see very simply that the Lord sent Jesus to earth. Jesus came to earth first. Here's the second thing. Jesus served the people. Jesus served the people. Now, remember, this is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He could have come as a conquering hero. He could have come as a great political ruler, military ruler. He could have come with great excitement and fanfare. Instead, he did the opposite of those things. He came in humility and service. And he clues us in, in verse 45, into the importance of what he's trying to accomplish, right? He came not to be served, but to serve. Now think about all the things that Jesus did. Think about how Jesus served humanity. Jesus healed the sick, he gave sight to the blind, he caused the lame to walk, he taught, he he ministered, he loved. But here's the interesting thing about Jesus. Scott talked about the, the, the struggles of the people in Alaska, and I've seen that firsthand. There's a lot of darkness there. Jesus came to minister to the outcast. Jesus came to love the broken. Jesus came to love the unlovable, right? And so sometimes the people that maybe we're not comfortable with, we're very honest with ourselves, the people we might not be comfortable around, those are the people Jesus came to save. Those are the people Jesus came to love. And there's, there's this beautiful picture of his servant, service to his, to his followers just before he's gonna be arrested and crucified in the upper room. We, we read the story in John 13. You don't have to look, but I want you to listen. Now before the feast of Passover and Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end, right? This beautiful picture of perseverance. But then verse five says, he poured water into a basin. He began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around his waist, right? So we get this this picture of Jesus serving those he loved, of sacrificing for those he loved, of serving the outcast, the brokenhearted, of doing things that we wouldn't necessarily want to do ourselves. And some of you may be thinking, I get it. I understand Jesus served others. What does that have to do with me? Here's what it has to do with you. As a follower of Jesus Christ, the way Jesus loved and served others becomes our pattern for life. Right? We should want to serve and love the way Jesus served and loved. But that's not easy for us, is it? Because our flesh wants people to serve us. Right? Anybody ever have a chance to go to one of those all-inclusive resorts on vacation, right? Yeah, nobody's raising their hand for that one. Y'all like, no, 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 no. I've been, but I'm not gonna tell you I've been, right? I'm not gonna tell you. If you've ever been on those kind of places and you know you're at the pool and somebody comes and brings you something to drink or some pizza or whatever, right? Right, those are kind of nice little things to do for a short little period of time, right? If you can do that for vacation or maybe a honeymoon or a cruise or whatever, it's not the way we live, but let's be honest, that's the way we'd like to live, isn't it? Like, if I could sign up for that for my whole life, where do I, where's the piece of paper I can sign? Because I'm happy for people to do that for me all the time. That's our flesh, right? I tried that at home one time with Amy, it didn't go over so well. You know, learn pretty quick. That's not what's gonna happen at the camp household. But that's the way we'd like to live. Like we, we like to be serving. So what Jesus does is he takes what we want and our flesh and our human desires and he turns them on their head, right? It's not that you need to be served, you need to serve others. It's not what, what can you do for me, it's what can I do for you. I, I heard a thing this week that really kind of shook me a little bit. It kind of helped me to, to have one of these moments that, uh, where the light bulb goes off. There's a guy talking about Christianity and talking about the things that are happening in Christianity. And he said, listen, you hear a lot that Christianity is under attack. And he said, listen, you need, you need to understand Christianity is not under attack because Jesus is always going to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus will not be defeated. So we don't need to worry about Christianity being defeated or any sorts of things. That will never happen. What he said was, what's really happening is comfortable Christianity is under attack. Hmm. Maybe he's right. Because we want to be comfortable. We want to do the Jesus thing as long as it doesn't cost us anything. We want to do the Jesus thing as long as it's comfortable to us. We want to do the Jesus thing as long as it doesn't hurt too much, maybe just a little, but I'm going to control that, and then when it gets to a certain level, I'm turning it off. Jesus says, listen, man, you, you need to be ready to serve others. Then he takes it one step farther. I want you to look where he goes, right, as we kind of finish this thing. Up, Mark chapter 10, verse 45, for the Son of Man... Came to the earth. First of all, he just came. That's incredible that he would step down out of heaven. He came not to be served, but to serve. If that weren't enough, then he says, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Here's third thing we see, right? Jesus came to this earth. Jesus came to serve. Number three, Jesus gave his life for our sins. This is the primary reasons. He didn't come just to do miracles. He didn't come to be a great teacher. He didn't come just to feed the hungry. All those were great things, but he came to be rejected and to be killed and to rise again for our salvation. And from that moment on, everything changed. Right, one writer said it like this. For Jesus, his declaration of the cross was a turning point in his ministry. Once he set his face toward the cross, nothing, not the pleas of a beloved disciple or the dread of the process could stop him. All right? Jesus says, listen, I've... I've got these marching orders from the Father. I've got this plan. I've got this purpose. I'm going to willingly, John 10 tells us, I'm gonna willingly lay down my life. I've come not to be served, but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many, right? Now, some of you are thinking, okay, I get it. I hear it. I understand it. What do I do with this now? Well, I just wanna remind you of a Christmas account. And I want to remind you of the Luke 2 story. If you remember after the birth of Jesus, the Lord made this grand announcement to who? Do you remember? Who did you announce it to first? The shepherds, right? Out in the field. And I want you to listen. We have it on the screen. I want you to listen to how the shepherds responded. Luke chapter 2, verse 10, the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem, see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now look at verse 17. I want you to notice, right? They've been told the story. They go to see Jesus themselves. Luke chapter two, verse 17. And when they saw it, they didn't have time to tell anybody because they were busy wrapping presents. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. What, What are we doing with this Christmas story? What are we doing with this truth that Jesus came to earth, that he served us, that he gave his life for our sins? How often are we making that story known? I'm going to give you a a couple options here, and then we're going to finish with a time of invitation. You know, Some of you may be saying, I've heard this before. I understand it. I know it. I've done this. I've accepted it. Then your challenge is to share the message just like the shepherds did with anybody that would listen this Christmas season. Now, you might be at home or you might be in here, and you might be thinking, listen, I've I've heard some of this before. I've never really put it together. I didn't fully understand it, but now I see Jesus came. He died for our sins. It was a plan from the beginning for him to do this. What am I supposed to do with it? My prayer would be that you would repent of your sins, turn to Jesus, and accept him as your Lord and Savior. And so we're going to give you a time of invitation here in just a second. We're gonna give you the opportunity to respond to this. And if you're already a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to pray for those that have not received Jesus. If you've never prayed to receive Jesus, I'd like for you to come down. I'd love to talk to you about exactly who Jesus is and explain to you in some more detail about what salvation means for you. And then I'm gonna give all of you guys one final challenge. All right, we, we've got a big event coming up here in just a few days. Uh, we've got, as of this morning, 3,300 plus people that have signed up to come to this thing. There's a lot of those people that I don't know their names. A lot of people on that list from our community. And I promise you, a lot of them don't know Jesus. I want you, during our time of invitation, to pray specifically that the Lord would be glorified, that the message would be clear, and that people would come to know Jesus because of what we're trying to do down here. The altar's gonna be open, an opportunity for you to pray, but you pray specifically for this time that the Lord would be honored and that great things would happen through it. Now, let me pray for us. Father, we thank you again for this opportunity to study. We thank you for this opportunity to learn, to be challenged, to be reminded the purpose of Jesus, why he came to this earth, how he served, what he gave for us. And now, what do we do with this, Lord? What do we do with this? Just challenge us, challenge us to live for you, to trust you more and more every day. But challenge us also, Lord, to share this wonderful message, this good news, first proclaimed to those shepherds all those centuries ago, Lord. Give us the the courage and the wisdom and the boldness to share it even today. And Father, I pray for our time beginning Thursday with all these people that are going to come hear this message, all these people on our campus. Father, may you be glorified. May you be honored. May your name be made known. May people turn to Christ for your honor and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.